This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Journey Within podcast. Got a great guest on today, Bruce Pettit, who is the CEO of Leupold. How are you doing today, Bruce? I'm doing great, Mark. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. So, we'll, uh, how you normally start these off is I, I dig into your background a little bit just for anybody that, that may be listening that doesn't, doesn't know you. Um, obviously, I know you live in Oregon now, but where are you originally from? Uh, you know, I'm originally from a couple, I, I kind of take a couple places. I was born in Missouri, but I was only there for about five years. And, okay. uh, and so I really grew up a lot in Arizona. I spent a lot, a lot of time of my life in Colorado. Um, so I, I kind of call Colorado my home, honestly, but, um, spent a lot of time in Arizona too. Um, but I've been in Oregon now for almost nine years. So it's, uh, becoming home for sure. Becoming home and, and Oregon's kind of one of those hidden gems too, for hunting. Um, for whatever reason, everybody thinks of hunting out West Oregon generally isn't really brought into there, but I've, I've been hunting Oregon, man. I think I've been there actually the last five years I've hunted deer in Oregon. Yeah, it's special. It, it really is when you think about it. I, you know, I came from Colorado and it was a being an outdoorsman making the move here. That was kind of one of the things I was a little reticent about. I'm like, wow, how, you know, leaving Colorado with the fly fishing and the hunting that I have access to. And, and when I really, you know, got a chance to get to know Oregon, it's, it's amazing. I mean, you think about being able to hunt, you know, Roosevelt elk and Rocky Mountain elk and black bear and, you know, the different types of deer from what you and I did together, yep. which is a Colombian, Colombian whitetail to blacktail to mule deer. I mean, it's the whitetail, you know, it, it, it's really pretty, pretty tremendous. It's a diverse in terms state. Of the offering. Yeah, it is. And the bird hunting's great. You know, the bird hunting's terrific, um, wild bird hunting. And so I, I don't think a lot of people realize just how, how great Oregon is in terms of outdoors men and women. You know, we've got the little bit of politics that goes on in, yep. in Portland, but when you get outside that, man, this is a this is a state that is full of just really ardent um, outdoors men and women that that uh, I think are, are as good as any out there. So it's, no, it's been it's a good state. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. So 
were you born into a hunting family and that's how you got in the outdoors or was it something that came on later? Well, I, yeah, I was born into a hunting family. I mean, I had relatives that hunted all over the place. My dad wasn't, wasn't a big time hunter, although he hunted. Um, but my grandfather on my mom's side was the one that took me on my first hunt. I was hooked. You know, I was, I don't know, I was probably seven or eight years old and took me on a quail hunt with his dogs. And that's all it took. I, I was just absolutely passionate about it. After that point, anytime I could get out, I did it. So I, I hunted in high school and I played sports and stuff like that. So there was other things going on, but, um, you know, my, my dad's uncle taught me to fly fish. And so at a young age, I was able to go into Northern Arizona and fly fish with him and do things like that. And so, um, I would say we were a pretty solid hunting family, uh, all around. That's what it sounds like. So when you, when you graduated college, um, what did you do before you ended up in Oregon at, at Leopold? So I've been in the sporting goods business my pretty much my whole career. Um, I spent some time um, early on on the sales and marketing side. I owned an agency and was based out of California at the time. And we did basically sales and, and marketing for a number of brands in the sporting goods business. And then uh, later on, I went to Seattle for a while and ran a company up there and then eventually ended up in, in Colorado and uh, helped found a company called Collective Brands. And we owned a number of brands in the sporting goods business. So I've been in this, this line of business my whole career. I was there 16 years and um, we had multiple brands, some in performance and youth sports, as well as, uh, you know, in the running space and, and snowboarding, et cetera. We owned about 13 different brands. Um, and then, you know, when that, that ended, I, we ended up having a transaction and, and selling that company. Um, I, literally saw a, a, a ad in sporting goods business for that loophole was looking for a president and CEO. And I had a ton of loophole scopes in my, in my safe and was familiar with the brand. That was my go-to rifle scope brand. And so I thought, huh, I wonder where they're located. I didn't know that. And literally looked it up and, and they were in Beaverton, Oregon. And I went, you know, I could probably do Oregon. I, I'm going to just, you know, after I hadn't done a CV in years, I yeah. did a resume and threw it in and, Lo and behold, they eventually offered me the job. So that's how I got up here almost nine years ago. Oh, that's awesome. So I know yeah, you, so, I, I know you mentioned you've been in, in hunting early, and I, I think I already know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask you just for everybody listening. What's your favorite type of hunting? You know, I get asked that a lot, and it's a really, really tough one for me to answer because whatever I, – I honestly mean this, and I know it sounds – whatever hunt I'm on mm-hmm. – is the hunt I love. I mean, I just, I can hunt anything and I, I really love it. I, I'm, you know, I, I, it's one of the things I respect about you and how diverse you are and what you do. I mean, I'm not just an elk hunter, or a mule deer hunter. I really like hunting mule deer. That's one of my favorite things coming to Oregon, hunting blacktail. I've, I've fell in love with that, but honestly, I, I like that better than when I'm hunting over my dogs for, you know, wild pheasant or chucker. I, I don't know. I really don't know. So I just, I just like being out there. I like the experience of, of the, and the diversity of it, of what we get to do as hunters. And, um, so it, it honestly, if I have the honest answer, it's the hunt that I'm on because I'm always just so into it. And, um, uh, and, and I think that's what it is. So that's great. And Bruce and I connected right away with our, our upland. He was being pretty modest on his, on his, uh, his dogs and his upland hunting over there. But that's how we, we connected pretty early just with the, a true love on my side from upland hunting and Bruce on the same. There's something about watching a good dog in the field that, that just, I mean, you just get memorized watching them work. 
yeah, that's, there's, there's nothing like it. And when it's your dog and, you know, they're able to get, get in there and produce a bird and make a great retrieve and it, it makes it all come together. So, um, yep. I, I, I love, I love that, that whole, that whole team aspect of working with, with good dogs. Well, I think that actually your, your answer kind of ties in. Cause I was going to ask you what, what gave you the idea to do the McNabb, the uh, video that's on Leopold's um, YouTube page. If anybody hasn't watched it, you got to go and watch this. First of all, explain what it is for everybody. And then what, what gave you the idea to go and try to do it? Yeah, well, what, what a McNabb is, is it's an old Scottish. Um, it started out of a, a fic- fictional book, actually, that was written years ago. Um, and basically what it was is, is to be a, a, a true sportsman or an ultimate sportsman, if you will, in, in Scotland. You in, in one day, essentially, you would, um, you know, kill a, a roebuck, uh, you know, so kill a deer or a stag. Um, you would get a brace of grouse. So two grouse, and then you would take the, the hair from the stag and the, the feathers from the grouse and you'd tie your own fly and you would, you know, catch a salmon or a trout with it and do it all in one day from sunrise to sunset. Mm-hmm. And that, that's a McNabb. And, uh, I actually learned about it back in, it was probably 1997 or eight, I think on a trip, I was over in business in England and, and on a business trip and, and there was the game fair was going on, which is their big, you know, it's their big show for consumers, um, that they have. And, uh, and so I went to the game fair and I was watching these Labradors work and these English dogs and they were just so well-trained and just, you know, really fast and athletic. And, and, um, I ended up getting to know the guy who was the, I just want to introduce myself to the guy who was the captain of the, the, uh, English gun dog team they were competing against all the other countries and um, became friends with him. And, and his, his son had just done a McNabb and that's how I, he was telling me about it. He said, yeah, I just did this thing and it was a McNabb and I thought it was so cool. Uh-huh. And so at that point I put that in my, you know, I put that in my mind. I'm like, I'm going to do that someday. I'm going to figure that out and figure out how to do that in the States. And, and um, I think people have done it in, you know, Africa and I, I've seen a few things out there, but so I just decided to do one in Oregon last year. And see if I could pull it off. I'd hunted this area the year before, and I'd I'd hunted it for. I had a mule deer tag, and I'd also taken my dogs and hunted some chucker there. So I knew it was all there. And then it's right on the the John Day River, the North Fork of the John Day. Um, and so I knew there was fish there because I'd fished it. So I thought, you know what, this is a great place to pull this off. All wild game, and if you can do it, this would be a really good spot to do it. So mm-hmm. the following year, which was last year, I uh, I decided to. Uh, to try and make it happen in Oregon. So when when you went into the, the your marketing team over there and, and told them what you wanted to do, was it was it one of those looks of everybody just going, "Oh boy," or was it everybody was already on board right away? No, it was a, it was oh boy. It was like what? <laughs> yeah. What, <laughs> yeah. what? Like what are you? <laughs> what are we doing here? Then, what? And then you know it's great because the the camera guys are kind of looking at me like uh, I better get in shape. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like I. I got to get in shape for this because we're going to be moving fast. And unfortunately, I, I didn't make it easy on the camera guys trying to film it because, you know, it, it got a little chaotic at times. But they um, pulled it off. And, um, and uh, you know, David, one of our, our camera guys, was, was really good at just trying to do his best to stay up with the chaos and with mm-hmm. me and everything else. And, and we got it done. But, um, yeah, they thought it was a little nutty in the beginning. Like, uh, there's no way. We're going to waste a – 
we're going to waste a cameraman, you know, you know, yep. you know how valuable that is when you're in hunting season, Oh yeah. when you're trying to produce content, it's, uh, you don't want to waste anyone's time for sure. But no. luckily, and it, literally the sun was going down when I finally caught a fish. So well, that's why I think it, it just was, added to the dramatic effect of it. If you, if you're going to do it or not. And then literally I would call it the last cast right before dark. You got it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. And so. I know what you mentioned on the, on the field producers, it does get tricky because usually after you shoot something there, they want to sit there and film it for another hour, hour and a half. And you could, you could <laughs> right. see just you run and it's like, okay, time to go. We got to go. Yeah. There's no more. No, let's, yeah. Yeah. Immediately we're, we're dealing with the, the mule deer to make sure he, you know, the meat's good uh-huh. and taking care of that, like instantly, um, to get going. So, but he was good. He was good at being, being, uh, getting me in the right right spot to take a few photos and get a little bit of film so it worked out i thought it turned out awesome so if you look back what's been your favorite hunting memory so far hunting or fishing any anything actually put it this way anything outdoor related anything outdoor related um you know i i i had a hunt with my my older boy colin um in colorado and we were both able to to harvest really really nice meal deer and in our, in our state, um, you know, we, it was just, it was just one of those hunts where it all came together and we, we both, you know, killed nice deer. And I, I think that was it. I think having that experience and, and being able to share that with, with one of your, you know, family members is great. I've, I've had so many, I've had great hunts with my wife. She's an ardent hunter as well. And so we'd actually get our, our honeymoon in New Zealand and, <laughs> We called it a hunting moon and we were over there and we hunted and we had an amazing time. So I've got a lot of them and they all kind of involve hunting with my family. Oh, that's awesome. I, my wife would uh, not have gone for that. I can just let you know there, there was no <laughs> hunting in New Zealand for the honeymoon. That was, that was a no-go on our side. <laughs> so as you look forward, um, been able to go on a lot of great hunts, a lot of great experiences. What's one that you have in your, in your bucket list that you still want to get on? Mm. You know, a bighorn sheep. I mean, I haven't killed a bighorn sheep and that's, I'm, you know, doing everything I can to draw one. And so that for me is, uh, you know, if I drew a bighorn in Colorado, that would make it for me. How many you points know? do you have um, right now? You remember? Our you know, I'll have close? to check. I don't, I don't know off the top of my head. I'm, yeah. I'm putting in every year. So I got it. At some point, hopefully I'll get it while I can still walk. That's, that, that's <laughs> the goal. So have you been on a dull sheep before? I have not. Haven't you? I have not killed a sheep. Okay. Yep. Well, I can just let you know, as competitive as you are, once once you get up in the mountains and you do that one time, it'll be a new addiction for you. Yeah, I know. I, <laughs> I have a ton of friends that that have that addiction, and so I'm uh, at some point that'll that'll definitely be on it. But uh, yeah, I just I enjoy hunting so many different things that you know I I don't I don't really have. I mean, that's a that's definitely a hunt that's on my list, but I don't have you know, this crazy desire at this point that I have to do that. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's, you know, I get so many opportunities to, to go on some really, really cool hunts. And I've, I've been able to do a lot of it. I've hunted in Africa a lot and enjoyed that. And so I feel pretty blessed. Yeah. So obviously everybody recognizes Leopold with, uh, the gold ring. Where did that originally come from? So it's a great story. Um, you know, we started making rifle scopes in Oregon about 75 years ago. And we, you know, we, the, the, originally we started making scopes because the, the, we're a 115 year old family owned business. So we're still family owned and it was a successful engineering firm. And 
you know, at one point, the son of our founder, uh, Fred Leupold, his name is Marcus Leupold, he, he actually uh, was on a blacktail hunt here in Oregon and his scope fogged up and it, it made, you know, he said, I can do this better. And he kind of went on his, in his own direction, not a different company, but he was working kind of nights and mornings and weekends to try to figure this thing out. Mm-hmm. And, and ultimately he did, he engineered the scope that was fog proof and was able to, to, to optically be great. And, and so when he did that, that got us in the rifle scope business. And I don't know how many years exactly after it was, but I do know from one of our old time engineers that um, when I first got here, I had talked to that at one point, Marcus went down to the engineering group and he said, Hey, we're going to put a gold ring on every one of our scopes. And the engineers kind of looked at him like he was crazy and said, that that doesn't make any sense. There's no chance that anyone will ever buy a scope with a gold ring on it. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, which is really ironic when you think about the, you know, that that's such an iconic um, thing in our industry today. But, but he said, yeah, they will. Because, because what's going to happen is they're going to see that gold ring and they're going to know they have the best. They're going to know they have quality. They're going to know it's guaranteed for life. And, and that started the whole, the whole gold ring thing. And now it's, you know, this, this, you know, truly, a special thing for hunters out there when they see a gold ring they know that they, they can count on that to come through they're not so ma- that's they're, how the gold ring started there are not many hunters out there that don't know what the gold ring is and i, no, I when you see you see it you know yeah. yeah and i just got back from uh hunting uh mexican gulf coast whitetail of of anything on the yeah that's the, cool in veracruz mexico it was it was a, t- it was a tough hunt because was, I, I'm not a big bug, spider, scorpion, snake guy. And there were a lot of <laughs> bugs, spiders, scorpions, and snakes, but, <laughs> but so I, we, I could not get a firearm permit to get in there. I, for Veracruz, it's just one of those areas that they don't have very many hunters. So it's extremely tough to get a, a firearm permit approved. I could get it through Sonora or anywhere like that, but I couldn't get the guarantee that when I showed up in Veracruz that they wouldn't confiscate it. So the outfitters said, I've got a, I've got a gun in camp. And, and just like everybody that says they have a gun in camp, they said it, it's dead on. And every time I hear that, I was like, oh boy, here we go. What are we going to get into? Mm-hmm. And we rolled in there and it had a three by nine gold ring on it. And I, I was, I don't know how old that scope was, but to see that scope and the journey that that scope had to do to get to that part of Mexico, to get mounted on a 270 was, I just like... The guys, all the the two field producers I had with me, they're like, "What are the odds that that would be on that gun?" And I'm like, "Well, no kidding." It's just it was a cool one. It had the story. The pictures out of it are great, just because I mean, just seeing this this gold ring on top of this weathered 270 with rust on the barrel and everything. It was it was pretty cool. Yeah, you'll need to send me a photo of that. Yep. That's really cool. We'll do. We'll do. So as you've been in, let, let's focus on just the last the last nine years for you. Um, Okay. How have you seen the industry change over those nine years? And I'm looking forward to this because it seems like everything changes about every two months right now. But as the for the for the scope bino spotters, like how has that industry changed or evolved over the last nine years that you've been there? Well, I think that you know certainly we've continued to see technology become more a part of of what we do. And that's a whole nother conversation we can get into as to, you know, how much technology we really want in hunting. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. But, but, um, and what's fair chase and what's not and all these, all these different things as it relates to hunting. But, you know, the, the driver of the technology piece tends to be more on the, the military and tactical side of the business um, where there's, you know, there's needs for that, obviously. And so we have a, a solid business in, 
in what we do with our elite military. And so we're constantly looking at new things from a technology standpoint. But I think that's been the biggest driver in terms of, of product is, you know, what makes sense and what doesn't, you know, when you, whenever you introduce like electronics into things mm-hmm. inherently there's failure. Um, it just is, it's just part of electronics, yep. you know? And so, you know, when you're like, we are guaranteed products for life. Um, it's a big task, um, making sure that what you do from an electronic standpoint, what, even whether it's just an illuminated radical or, or whatever, that it's gonna, it's gonna perform. Um, and I, so I think that's the, the, probably the biggest thing that I've seen. Um, you know, fortunately, when you think about our industry, it, it, it's still a really vibrant industry. There's a lot of dealers out there because you have to have a, go through a background check and you got to mm-hmm. go to an FFL. And so when I, I haven't seen the, the industry's expanded in, in size um, because of, you know, recent events. And I'm, I, I will talk about it. There, there's the gun side, but I'm, I'm really talking about the hunting side, focusing on the hunting side of it. You know, COVID was a horrible thing, but I will tell you what, a lot of people were able to kind of get back to their roots and, and really either re-engage or newly engage with hunting. And I would say as far as things that I've seen, the most dramatic changes have come in the last, you know, three years mm-hmm. where prior to that hunting was flat to slightly down every year, you know, as a sport. And now you look at growth rates of 14% in one year in 2020, I think it was 2021, there'll be growth. I mean, it's, it's, it's really um, been great for the hunting, the hunting industry to see that kind of growth. And we've, we saw a lot of that at, at WTA too, um, with our clients coming, coming to book hunts or, or the tags that they're applying for the, the message we kept hearing over and over and over again was I had originally planned to wait to do this, but over the last couple of years, I've realized, I don't know what I'm waiting for. I should do it now. I have all the means to go and do it now. I'm not going to push it off. And I think that, exactly. that that's one of those things that COVID did open everybody's eyes of saying, okay, you have this, you have this goal of what you want to do when you retire or what you want to do when you hit 45 or 50 or 55. And I think COVID just made everybody realize, well, the world's just not going to continue to turn like we think it is every, every day. So if I have an opportunity to go and do it, I'm going to do it now just to make sure that I can, mm-hmm. ha- I can have that experience. And what I think, what it, what it's done for a lot of our clients, or the majority of them is, is they go and they have such a good time, and then we hear, "I can't believe I waited so long to start to do things like this," and then yeah. they then they yeah. want to do it more. And I think that's probably the same type of thing that you've seen with optics is somebody will buy will buy a new set of binos and they're like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe how good these are!" And then it leads to a spotting scope and a new rifle scope and and just kind of keeps growing from there. For sure. I think I think as it relates to get specific to optics, the one thing that for us has been has been tremendous is I think I think the consumer out there, particularly what I would call a um, an experienced hunter, somebody who's a, who's hunted quite a bit, right? I, I think that they have moved to understanding how important that optic is in in relation to their rifle because you know today you can go out and buy a lot of what would be not custom, but a production rifle, right? Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, and, and they're darn accurate. I mean, there was a lot of them out there that's available. They're really accurate rifles. And, and so what it comes down to is making sure that you have, you know, a premium optic to, to, uh, you know, and, and I think that that's happened. 
Mm-hmm. We've seen it. And we've seen in terms of what they want from us. If you look at our product line with our VX6 and VX5, I mean, it's almost impossible for us to keep those in stock. And we're making them every day in our factory in Beaverton because it, it's that consumers moved up. And those are not inexpensive rifle scopes. A lot of times, you know, they're spending, you know, two times what they're spending on their rifle or close, yep. certainly as much. And I think that's the change that people have, 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 have come to realize is, man, you can really, really get a lot of um, uh, performance if you spend the right money on a rifle scope. I, I would wholeheartedly agree on that. We, uh, we have this conversation a lot at WTA when somebody books a, a hunt. And it can be a, a $5,000 hunt up to going um, cheap hunting in British Columbia for a stone sheep. Any, anywhere in between. And our conversation always, always goes because usually everybody books. And the first thing is, what, what gear do I need to bring? So we start it from, from top down um, on your rifle and optics. Know what you're spending on the hunt. Don't go in under what you should have as far as a rifle or optics when you go on that hunt. If you're, if you're investing right. sixty-five dollars or $70,000 to go on a stone sheep hunt, make sure that you have the best rifle and best optics that you can when you go there because if you only get one crack at a sheep on day 12 and it's 35 mile hour crosswinds and it's been rainy and foggy and you go to look through your scope and it's fogged up or, or your rifle's not on, don't put yourself in that situation. Put yourself to be successful at the end. And once you also, once you make that investment, you'll just see how everything kind of improves from there. And we've, we've, everybody always goes, Oh, I never thought of it that way. It really makes sense that I come in with the correct gear when I, when I go on these, these types of hunts. And it just, for us in the field, then on the other side to, to some of the outfitters we work with or outfitters that we may own, it's so much more relieving to a guide when the client shows up and, and the guide looks at what optics they have and what rifle and, and gear they have. And they look at them and go, Oh, thank goodness. He's prepared. Yeah, absolutely. And I've, I've we've got a lot of outfitters that we, we work with, or, you know, I have a cousin who's a full-time outfitter in New Mexico. I've got, and they, they really have become super reliant on our custom dial system mm-hmm. and, and making sure that the hunters that come into camp have that, that custom dial system already on, you know, if, if you buy one of our rifles scopes, you, you get a, a free a CD, we call it the CDS dial custom dial. And it's dialed exactly into your, where you're going to be hunting. It's elevation. It's, it's got the velocity. It's got, you know, um, what the, what the uh, temperature is going to be. It's got everything that you you can put on it so that you get, you know, insanely accurate, um, dial. And then all you're really doing is if you got a 400 yard shot, you're dialing to 400 and you're making the shot. And I'm, I'm telling you, it is, this has become, I wish more of our consumers would redeem their free custom dial because once they've got it, they will never, ever use anything else. Is it, it just flat out works. And if they wanted to get a second custom dial, they, they just, I mean, they can get a second or third. They just have to pay for that second or third one. Correct. Exactly. Yeah, yep. Exactly. And, I've, and and they call us. Yeah, they just go into the system and they can buy it right there, and they put their information in, and and it it gets burned goes out to them. And then you know if they move to let's say now they're they're going to be sea level, mm-hmm. they've got that um, with the right with the right ammo that they want to shoot at that at a elevation. I'm guessing what you've probably seen is some a lot of people that redeem their first one will then get a couple other ones if they're a traveling hunter. They'll get one for wherever they're wherever they're going basically. Yeah, they do. Yeah. They do. The ones that have figured it out, they really do. But you know, it's interesting. I mean, the redemption rate on that isn't is is you know 
it's it's higher than you might think, but it's it's not what it what it could be. So we're gonna we're gonna continue to push that because I think it's a you know you don't have a lot of technology with it other than you know once you get that dial on there, you know it's dead on. If you got to take a you know five or, let's say you're taking a follow up shot at mm-hmm. 700 yards, you know you can do that. You can dial 700, and if you take our two turn scopes, you know you, 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 they're a lot of fun because you can go out and bang steel at a thousand yards, and you're you're you'll be able to dial it. So it's pretty cool. If you guys are looking for the best seat covers on the market, you got to make sure to check out Rough Tough. I've had them in my truck now going on four years, and they are bulletproof. Make sure to check them out, roughtough.com. Leopold offers the best optics in the game, bar none. I personally have their Santium binos and never go to the field without their Pro Guide spotting scope. I've got a Mark V on all my rifles, and also don't forget they've got some awesome eyewear as well. For more information, visit leopold.com. If you're looking to book the trip of a lifetime, make sure to give the team at WTA a call at 1-800-755-8247 or check out our website, WorldwideTrophyAdventures.com. So I'm obviously from the East Michigan. Up until really about 12 or 14 years ago, I, I started hunting the West and, and, and all over. Growing up in Michigan, I never had to shoot farther than 100, 120 yards. It just wasn't wasn't there. So I have to say my, my growth as a hunter in the field, being able to shoot farther and more confidently grew with, with having optics like yours to where it gives you that confidence level of being able to do it. Even though here when I'm, when I'm in the East, I don't have anywhere I can go and shoot a thousand yards, but going out West and in the follow-up shot and so forth like that, if you have to be able to do that and you have a, you have a dial that can get it done, man, that's a game changer in the field. Yeah, it is. It really is. So what, what oh, go ahead no go ahead Please. what what is if if Leopold's message to consumers the 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 overlying company message that you want all consumers to know that this is what Leopold stands for in their products and their employees and and from top down oh i think it's performance I mean, it really is. We, 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 yeah, we have a lifetime guarantee, mm-hmm. but that guarantee isn't so that you just get another scope because you know what? We want to guarantee performance because when you draw that tag of a lifetime, you don't get FedEx to show up and hand you another scope that then you got to mount zero. Yep. You want to make sure that when you're there, it works. And so we, we take performance seriously and we are relentless about it. And so, it, you know, it, it starts with, with what we want to produce durability wise that, you know, we know you're going to can often be in, you know, difficult situations. You can be, whether you're, you know, getting on and off a horse or whether you're, whatever you're doing, you, it bangs around and you've got to make sure that you've got a rifle scope that's going to hold up. I mean, mm-hmm. heck, even getting in out of a blind, yep. you know, you, you've got to make sure that you've got something that's got the, the durability. And that's, that's one of the hallmarks of our brand. And that's why when you look at, you know, a lot of folks out there, they'll, you know, particularly our, our friends in Alaska, I mean, they won't go with anything else but a loophole. Yep. They, they won't. The, the other piece of it, which I don't think a lot of consumers understand and the performance side is we've got 80 engineers working on product every day in our factory. And part of that is our optical engineers working on light management. And I don't think anybody does it better than us. In fact, I know they don't because we have a long range shooting facility and we, we hunt you know, when you talk about managing light and performing in low light mm-hmm. conditions, which a lot of us as hunters, you know, we end up taking our, our shot at that first 15 or last 15. Um, the, it, you've got to make sure it's going to work in low light conditions. 
And, and so light management and making sure that, that you manage glare and those kind of things, we're working on every day. And I think we're the best at, at, at that. So when you take you know, durability and you combine that with what we do as it relates to optical clarity and light management and managing glare, and you put those together, that's it. It's about performance. It's, it's got to come through. I, I, I never want to hear from, from one, of our, one of our customers that their scope failed. I never want to hear that. We take that we take that really really seriously. And honestly, the work that we do with our elite military, we we take it. You know that that's a whole nother level. A whole nother level of, yeah. of how important it is to make sure that our product performs. What are the differences between um, military optics and hunting optics? Are they very similar? Or are there some things that the the military field needs a little bit tweaked differently than what than what the hunting field may need? In terms of in terms of our glass and what yeah. we do. No. Yep. We, we, we use, we use what we do for, you know, like CAG, which is Delta, the stuff that we supply there, you'll see that it's the same, basically the same product. There may be a tweak they want here or there on a dial or a, or a particular, uh, 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 kind of set of, of things that they want that works for them better. But in reality, it's, we use that to drive it all the way through our system. So if you're buying a VX six, you're getting as good as anything out there. Okay. Um, and, and so we, we use it that way. So we want to make sure we bring ultimate performance across our entire product line. Oh, that's awesome. And you mentioned 80 engineers. How many total employees are in Beaverton? We got about 735, I think was the last count. It, it fluctuates now and then, but yeah, we're, we're just, just over 700 employees. And, and we work seven days a week making rifle scopes. Has it been like and that? All, has, has it been like that all nine years you've been there? Or is it just just ratcheted no, up? No, we've the, grown. Grown. Yeah, yep. we've grown. I think when I I think when I got here, we were at about probably about six fifty or six thirty something like that. So we've grown. You know, we've grown our business. Our, we're a, a bigger company today than we were then, and um, certainly as an American, you know, we we've invested a lot in American manufacturing mm-hmm. um, o- over the last eight years, and I think really put us in a position to continue to to grow. I mean, no one does what we do. There's no one else in the United States that's even close. Um, any, any optic that you mount on any kind of a firearm, whether it's a handgun, bolt action rifle, um, anything has got to come out of our factory. That's the moment of truth. And so we, we take that very seriously. And that, those are all made in America products, correct? Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Design machine assembled right in Beaverton, Oregon. Oh, that's awesome. And I would say your, your growth. So question for you, has that growth been from an expanding market or have you been taking market share away? Um, I, the market's grown. So uh-huh. that's, that's one piece. We certainly have taken market share, particularly on the premium side of the business. So that's that's happened too. Um, but you know, I don't, Mark. I don't look at it. Uh, you know, because we're family owned and and it's really about generational value. We don't. If you, we don't look at it as, you know, we want to be the biggest. I'm not. That doesn't mm-hmm. do anything for us. We really want to be the best. And I. I tell our team that all the time. We're not going to import stuff in from China and throw an L on it. I can do that. I can sell a lot of it, at least for a, a period of time. Mm-hmm. But we're not going to do that. What we're going to do is all of our rifle soaps, we're going to make sure are made right, right in our factory. And we're going to make the best. And if we do that, everything will take care of itself. And so doing that, uh, particularly on our, our mount systems, our rifle scopes, some of our spotters, it does limit what you can do from a growth standpoint because I can only, you know, expand a factory so fast. Yep. And so I know there's been some people that have been, you know, a, a little bummed out because they couldn't get their VX six right when they wanted or whatever. And I get that. I, I understand that as a consumer, but ultimately there's no way I'm outsourcing that. 
And so we're going to continue to grow appropriately. And we, we actually will make more rifle scopes this year than we've ever made in the history of the company. Wow. Wow. And, and previously it was 2021 was your, was your, um, record, correct? Yeah. It's going it, to, it, as far as rifle scope production, 2022 will overtake it. Overtake sure. it. In our, yep. And I'm guessing you probably already have your orders going, knowing that it's November now, going already into 2023. Um, oh yeah, is that demand? Sure. Does the demand still look there from that growing growing market? Yeah, demand's still there. I, yeah. I think that we're seeing some changes in the industry. Um, you know, some of the optics around handguns and things like that have slowed a little, mm-hmm. although we're we're still selling a lot there. Um, but our our hunting scopes in particular, and our Mark V, which has taken over the the, really the, the precision hunting world when you look at that it's it's become the dominant player in in your um prs type series and so forth so forth so i i think uh those demand is still at record pace and so we're we're going to ramp up more production on those um we've got plans to continue to expand uh, what we're doing on our mark fives uh, and, and also the mark five has a lot of military um, contracts around it so we have other demand that comes in around that uh, but our VX6s, our VX5s, VX3s, all of those, we're, we're continuing to to ramp up what we're doing from a, a capacity standpoint. So with all your different lines of products over there, what's your favorite? Mm. Well, you know, I'm a, because I'm a hunter and I, I like rear focal, mm-hmm. I, I – I shoot a VX6 or a VX5, mm-hmm. and those two I usually I usually will go with either the the 3D18 and the VX6. I like a generally with the type of hunting I'm doing. Um, I'm usually packing a rifle around, so I I I like I know how well we gather light, so I'll go with a 44 millimeter objective on that mm-hmm. as opposed to a 50. But either one, um, I like to have um, a, a, you know an illuminated reticle. I think that that helps. Um, the three to 18 with the two turn dial can shoot as far as any, you know, as I'm going to want to shoot anything. I also like the three to 15, which is also in the VX five line. So those are probably my two go-tos, um, uh, depending on, on what kind of hunting I'm doing, but those, those are very similar. Now, if I'm, you know, if I'm in here in Oregon and I'm hunting in really close quarters for a Roosevelt, mm-hmm. I would, I would go with a, you know, a, a two to 10 or a two to 12 in a VX five or VX six. Right. And, and you know, just to be able to know that I'm, I'm, you know, twelve is probably as far as I'll need to to use that um, in in this if we're hunting Roosevelt's on the coast. So it just depends on the application. If you were, how would you recommend for a hunter that's looking to either buy a scope, binos, or a spotter? Like, what's the what's the best way to look at your lines and and figure out which one's best for them? Well, I, I think we have a breakdown on our website where you can kind of do that, actually, and, and you can look at it. And so I, I always ask, because I get asked the question a lot, like, hey, I want to I want to buy a kit. Mm-hmm. You know, friends will ask me or people in the industry or whatever. And, you know, what do you recommend? And so the first question I'll ask is, what are you going to use it for, right? Like, where are you going? What do you want to use it for? And then and then really, you know, back it off from there. So if if someone is going on a, you know, an elk hunt and they've got to do a lot of glassing, then I'm probably gonna gonna tell them, hey, here's here's how I would look at it on my chest. I'm gonna go ahead and, and put a you know 10 by 42 binocular. I'm probably gonna go with the Sani Am or the Pro Guide. Mm-hmm. Those are both really really high quality. Um, 
And then I'm going to put a 50, I'm going to use the 1556s and I'm going to have them on my tripod so that if I want to sit down in glass with a 15 and a 56, I can use that. And I can also interchange it out with a spotter if I really need to get up close and say, is this a, is this an elk I'm wanting to go after? Mm -hmm. So I would build my kit around kind of where I'm going to be, what I'm hunting and have those components that go in there. And then again, if depending upon how long I think the shot could be, um, a 3d18 really covers it. I, I rarely see myself, I, you know, you know, Jim Shockey, he'll always use a four to 24 in every situation. And he's done a few things, right? Yeah, yes. So it works, it works for him. It works for him. Yeah, it worked for him. And so, you know, I respect that with Jim because I've had these conversations with him and, and, uh, but, but for me, a three to 18 gets me what I need. And, and also I've got three power if I need to, you know, dial it way down. So I think there's, it, it just depends. Um, what what's the hunting application and what are you doing if you say i want something that's going to work across the board no matter what i'm doing then then i might go with a with a uh, 12 by 50 bino because then i can use it in a whole bunch of different ways and say okay i'm only going to use this bino and i'm gonna i'm gonna actually from a spotter standpoint you know i'm going to take a pro guide spotter out and and probably with a you know that's got kind of the the mid-range magnification in case i need to pack it and but if it's not i can have it sit and then i'll i'll probably get a 3 to 15 bx5 i know that'll that'll work anywhere so and that's a little bit more affordable package than the one the first one that i talked about so it really depends on what do you want to spend uh-huh. and then what what's the application you want to use it for and i think one of the other things that uh, listeners may may know may not know you guys have all the accessories and everything that go with that too. You've got the tripods, the bags. Um, I mean, the the yeah. li- like everything from top to bottom that you could possibly want. Like I, I just keep looking at your guys's website, and it seems like something else pops up there almost weekly yeah, we- of of what completes, as you say, that the kit for everybody in the field. But the whole hunting package, anything optics related, bags, like any any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like you guys have, have got it all, um, and you can definitely tell you just didn't go and and buy it and say, Hey, this one's good. You guys spent your, spent your time and engineered it correctly for the, in the field uses as well. Yeah, we, we have a, uh, you know, along with our, our product line managers that manage our, you know, whether it's range finders or spotters or, you know, scopes or binos, we have a product team that does that, but we also have what we call pro gear product team. And, and the mission that they've had for, I guess it's been five or six years now we've started this because we really didn't have this, you know, you know, I, for, certainly when I came to, to, to Leupold and Stevens, we didn't have anything like that. And so we, we really went in and said, let's get, you know, these guys are hardcore hunters, hardcore shooters. Let's get them engaged on, on really building product that was going to complete everything you need. And so now today I look at it, and I'm like, so pleased with the work that they've done because we got, you know, you can take our optics go bag is what we call it. It's a super cool bag. You should get one if you don't have one because they're, they're really cool. I'll send you one, but this optics go bag and being able to, you could fill that up with everything you need optically to, to really make sure that you've got everything you need to, to be successful on your hunt. And whether it's, you know, adapters for tripods or it's, you know, uh, we got a great vinyl harness. It's, it's as good. I think it's better than anyone out there. It's really well designed. Um, if you're hunting in bear country and you want to have a handgun, we've got the ability to attach a, a handgun holder to the front of that. Um, there's just so many cool accessories that we've been able to come up with that, you know, really complete the, the whole package. And so we got a team working on that every day. That's that's we have a product line manager that his job is only working on completing that kit. And I think that's how you guys, you guys continue to stay at the top of the pyramid in the optics market is 
you've got you've got the best optics you've you've got everything there but it, it, now you're completing in the accessories to where it, it is truly a full kit and i i did grab get one of those bags i saw you had one in oregon and i was i was looking through that thing and, and skip got me one so i'm like man i've awesome. got i gotta get one of these look at this this is everything is organized it's it's neatly put away like you can just pull up into the field sit down and you've got everything right at, right at your fingertips right there that you need and you're not digging in yeah. your backpack for it yeah exactly so exactly. I've got a question. I don't know if you can answer this or not. Is, do you have anything new that's coming up that you can share? I know you've got some things that are coming out that you can't share, but is there anything that you can share? You know, this is one of those questions that always gets me in, <laughs> gets you in trouble, trouble yeah. with my marketing and product team. <laughs> but guess what, Mark? It's okay. I can handle it. Right. Um, we do. We've got, we've got a range finding vino coming out, um, which will be out in the spring. And, uh, in fact, I, I had it down uh, when we hunted whitetail together, so I think you saw it yep. briefly there. But it's it's really good. It's, it ranges out to um, 1,500 yards, and actually it can go further. I, I found that out. Um, but that's what we'll tell and what's what we'll kind of market it as. And it's got great optics. One thing about range-finding binos, particularly this one will be about, I think it's about MSRP is probably going to be, um, around 1500 it's somewhere right in there $1,500 is is it's really difficult to manage the optics in there mm-hmm. and so we've been very very um, methodical about making sure that optically it works it is stunning I don't want a blue tint or a, this tint or that tint because just because it's a range finding bino I want to make sure it has really clear optics because yeah I range with it but but the important thing is to make sure that it's got incredible clarity and so that'll be coming out. So be looking for that because I think that's going to be the we'll have trouble keeping those in stock. That'll be a that'll be a really good one. And we we spent the time engineering this with our optical team. So that's that's coming. Um, we've got a new Mark V, which is has been you know probably not as much hunting application, but it's a it's a two to ten in the Mark V that is going to be stunning. The Mark V line has been so good for us, and we've had a lot of requests for uh, for a. Uh, a Mark five and a lower magnification and a two to 10. And I think that's going to, going to be a, a real winner for us. So doing that. And then we have a, a host of other things that are coming, but those are, those are just two of them that uh, are on their way for, we'll, we'll probably introduce those at shot show. Okay. Yeah. No, looking through those range finding binos that you had, that was uh, definitely the first thing I saw is just how clear they were. Every other ones I've looked yeah. through it. I guess I've never even noticed it before until you said it. They do always have a tint or a hint of a yellow or a blue or something in them. And I guess I've never, I never, mm-hmm. I realized it, but I didn't realize what I was looking for and why it was different in a range finding bino than a normal bino. Yeah. I think that bluing is the thing that I've always noticed. And I'm like, mm, we can't do that. This thing's got to be clear. And so we, we've, we've managed to pull that off and it's, it's really good. You know, I think we're, um, as I'm talking to you right now, I'm, I'm here in Oregon and it's raining as usual. And, uh, <laughs> although of course when we hunted together, it was the driest yeah. it's ever been. Um, but just, but it's, uh, you know, we, we have tough light conditions here and I, I, we really do. And so we got to, uh, this, our product has to work in, in low light and it's got to give real clarity in that. And I think that's one of the things we obsess about is just making sure that, you know, when you're in low light, it, you know, or, or, or managing various glare that you get a real clear picture. And so we're going to, that's something that's important to us. No, being, uh, being CEO, what do you think your most important role is on a day in day out basis for your team? It's to make sure that, that our team has the, uh, the tools to, 
to complete, you know, to, to, to nail our strategy, to get it done and to complete our mission and what we want to do. We want to be, you know, the dominant performance optics company. It's really simple. And so I have to make sure that every day when we go into that factory or, you know, when we're going out to meet with customers or what we're doing, that our team has the, has the tools and the understanding and the clarity to be able to get that done. And I take that real seriously. So, um, we have, we have, you know, average, average employee at, at Lupo and Stevens is 11 years. I just gave wow. out an award the other day for someone who'd been with us for 45 years and it's just special. And I have a responsibility to keep that culture of, of not only family, but performance, um, alive. And, and, uh, it's, it's one of the things that makes us, uh, I think really hard for our competition to deal with is we are, uh, you know, we're a family, but we really, we really want to make sure that we are high performance as well. And so giving our team the tools to make sure that that comes together and happens is, is, is what I got to do every day. That's great. One of the, probably the number one question that I get on, on social media, that's different than I've, if I just post something and somebody asks a question about that, but the number one overall question I always get is how to get into the outdoor industry. And for me, I'm like, that's such a broad, a broad question because I look at the outdoor industry and there's so many different jobs in it. Um, Mm -hmm. everybody sees the person on TV, but then start breaking it down from there. Looking at, looking at your company, I can only guess how many different, different jobs and and roles there are amongst yours. Same thing as a rifle manufacturer, um, clothing Mm -hmm. companies, the same, the same, same type of thing. Um, I'm going to ask you the same question that I get. For somebody that's looking to get into the outdoor industry, what would you recommend? Well, I think, you know, you got you to gotta kind of decide what part of the outdoor industry do you want to be in, you know, or, or where do you think you want to be? So if you said, hey, I, you know, I, I love loophole, I want to, I want to try to, to, you know, get, then you got to, you know, we have a lot of job openings. Mm-hmm. Even today, you can go on loophole.com and you'll, you'll be able to go over to careers and, and you'll see what openings we have whether it's machinists or what we want to do in assembly or, you know, there'll be various roles and you just got to keep an eye on that and, and apply for those. And, but what I would say is go get some experience while you're applying to get into, to a place like loophole. So for example, if you come to us and you said, you know, let's say you want a, a job in marketing or mm-hmm. product or sales or something like that. If, if, if I, if, if we know on your resume that you've worked at a place like Sportsman's Warehouse or, or Cabela's or, you know, local, one of our local dealers, those are going to, that's going to be one up because you've got some experience in the industry. You know, that's going to give you a bit of an advantage uh, on that. And so I think trying to figure out any way you can get in, I mean, I guarantee you right now, you can go get retail jobs in our industry. Mm-hmm. Well, you may have to do that for a year to gain some experience, understand, learn about the brands. Um, I, I think in, in anything, it's like I tell my kids. I mean, I mean one thing is is uh, you know not to do a, a Theodore Roosevelt quote, but one thing that is you know persistence is key, and you mm-hmm. gotta just continue to to be persistent if you really want to to do something that you love. And I, 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 I commend people to do that because if you're passionate about our industry and you want to get into it, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. I love the fact that I get up every day and I get to do something I love and I would encourage everyone to do that, but you gotta, gotta be persistent. You gotta stay after it and figure out how to, how to get that, that opening. Oh, that's That's a, that's a, that's great advice right there. That is, that is great. And I tell everybody I'm, I'm beyond blessed because I have a healthy family and, and a wife that's too good to me. 
And really what I do is I either go hunting or I talk about hunting all day long. Like I couldn't, I couldn't imagine doing anything else after doing this for so long that I would have to, to do anything besides that. Um, yeah. how many dealers does Leopold have across, across the U S we have, um, I want to say it's about 13,000 authorized dealers. Oh, wow. Okay. There's a, there's a lot of shops out there. So that includes, you know, the, the multi-store chain and that kind of stuff, but there's about 13,000 authorized dealers out there. Um, that in some way, shape, or form are authorized to carry the loophole brand. And we're pretty proud of that. We've got a great network of, of dealers out there. We've got a great specialty dealers. You can you can find our product. If you go to loophole.com, you know, it, we, we've got the ability to, when you're looking for a particular product, we've got the ability on our website to tell you what dealer will have that product. So if you're looking for a VX5, for example, you can go on there and it'll tell you, you know, four or five dealers in your area that's actually carrying that product all the way down to the SKU. So it's it's pretty effective. So. I can only imagine the work that went into the website to get it to do that. <laughs> yeah, you can, can you? Uh, I can't. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking that. I'm like, man, tying in with 13,000 different ones, that's a, that's a chore. Yeah, well, they, they, they have to subscribe, so they're not all on there, unfortunately. But okay. we would like them to be. We would like them to be, so we encourage them to get on it. and We can dial them in, and then they'll know, we'll know what they've got in stock. So it works pretty good. No, that's awesome. Well, that's... Uh, and it's always always great talking with you, Bruce. Um, anything else from a Leopold side that you want the listeners to hear before before we end today? No, I think we covered a lot of a lot of different ground. I, I just want to you know you know thank you, Mark, for your partnership and friendship and and everything that you do. You you are uh, I'm not sure everyone realizes um, just the your your entrepreneurial skills and what you've built with you know with WTA and and the things that you do and and you have my respect as an incredible um, outdoorsman. I mean, it's, I, I, I love your passion and what you do and what you accomplish and continue to accomplish. So just, just thank you for the partnership. Well, I'm really, really am excited about it and excited about our future together. There's, there's one, there's one story I'll, I'll end on here that I, that I, I hadn't told you yet. So when I got into the hunting industry and started filming, it was almost 10 years ago, coming up on a, on the, the 10 year anniversary here. Um, when you come in, when you come in filming, you really don't know what's going on. Like you have no idea, and, and there's some people that are trying to help you, but not really help you at the same time. And, and you're getting advice from people that have been in the industry 20 to 25 years. Well, over that 20 to 25 years, things have changed. So I was overwhelmed when I when I when I came into the industry, and I tell everybody I made the complete wrong decision because the first thing I did when I came into the hunting industry is I started a TV show. Bad idea. Bad, bad idea. Um, but I fought, but fought through it. Um, so early on it was to get a, to get a partnership, um, with the company for somebody that didn't have any background was a, was a big deal. Um, and I remember I, I had in year one, there was an optics company that came to me and I, and partnered with them. We signed a one-year deal and I remember getting into the field and trying to use their stuff. And anybody that was on my team, I'm sure, could still remember the rants and the raves that I went on of, I'm in the middle of Pakistan and you expect me to, to use this and I can't see and it, it, it just, just going mm-hmm. on. And I still remember being in Pakistan hunting and just sitting there and I made the, the decision and really promised myself that I'm not going to take any partnership or sponsorship just because it's there. I'm only going to partner with ones that I would use if I'm in the field. 
because I, I'm a, I was fortunate enough to be in a position that I could do that and not have to take every, anything in there. So the reason I sat so long for an optics brand wasn't because I didn't have ones come to me. It was because I was waiting for your call. That was, that was the call that I was waiting for. Like each category, I have the, the one company of where does it make sense? What do I use in the field? What does it fit from a WTA standpoint that now that partnership's there because our guys can recommend it to all of our clients and we don't have to worry about the, the capability and so forth in the field. We, we know the qualities there. We know the values there. And then that's one I never, I never mentioned that in all the times we've talked before, but, but my mindset always was, is that I was, I was waiting for your call and then eventually it came and I, I, it was one of the happy days of my life. Yeah, that's really cool. I yep. appreciate you sharing that. It, uh, you know, Rob, Robbie Berger, our mutual friend oh, yeah. um, is the one that said, Hey, you should, you should really, you and Mark should meet and talk. And, and that, that's what got that going. And, but you know, I did, I, I, I goes both ways because I did the same thing. I, I got on and really learned a lot about what you were doing. And obviously the, you know, your diversity of hunting and the things that you do is, is the same stuff that I love. And so, um, when we had a chance to meet, I knew it was going to be a great partnership, but we're, we're super picky, right? We got, yeah. if you look at the, the folks we've got on our brand from, you know, Jim Shockey to Randy Newberg to Fred Eichler to the juries. I mean, we're pretty picky. And so it's just great to have you, um, as a part of, of team loophole nope. it really is. It's a, it's an honor to have you. Thank you. And thank you for your time today. As always, we'll have to, uh, follow this up again next year after we get through another, another season of hunting and, and you let your new products drop and then we'll follow up and see how those, how those have done. All right. Well, let's get, let's do an Oregon bird hunt. There we go. Let's get, let's that sounds the book sometime. That sounds even better than recording a podcast. <laughs> we can do it while we're, we can do it out there. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. Thanks, Thanks Bruce. Mark. All right. Talk to you later. Yep. Bye. Thank you everyone out there for all the support and downloads. Don't forget, go leave a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts. That always helps. Also, if you're looking to book the hunt of a lifetime, go visit WTA at WorldwideTrophyAdventures.com or give the team a call in the office at 1-800-755-8247.